welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today we have a special message from visiting pastor Clark Clairvoy on the anatomy of self-sabotage. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, you can check us out at our website at bccma.org or you can always send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Clark Clairvoy. How's everyone doing this morning? I want to thank uh, Pastor Phil, Sherry, thank you so much for having me here today. I am honored and privileged to be here this morning. Um, I'm very excited to be. Who's excited to be in church this morning? I want you to know, I want you to know that wherever the spirit of the Lord is, anything can happen. See, I don't think, I don't think they heard me, Pastor. Wherever the spirit of the Lord is, anything can happen. Therefore, I want you to know, I want you to know, I need you to know that God is in the building today. And today cannot be just another routine Sunday, but today we need to have to meet from God. I know that there are people in this place right now that need a touch from God. There are people in this place right now that need God to invade their lives, to invade their space, to invade their households. And I'm here to tell you that there is hope. There is hope, and God is in the building to give you that hope this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Woo. About to have a good time. We're going to have a good time today, okay? Um, I need you guys to promise me something, though. Uh, I I don't want to hear any crickets this morning. You guys understand what I'm saying when I preach? Yes, just like that. If God hits you with something, if something from the word of God hits you with something, I need you to talk back to me. As I talk to you, talk back to me, all right? And we'll have a wonderful time in this place this morning, amen? All right, all right, here we go. Before I go any further at all, I want to introduce you to my family. One picture here of my wife. Oh, that's my, all right. That other picture will be later. It's a picture of my wife, Kimberly May Clairvoy. She is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Love her, love her to death. Been married to her for uh, eight years, eight years now. Um, And she's just wonderful. I cannot do life without her. I thank God for her every single day. Um, And uh, just this past year, uh, five months ago, we had this beautiful baby daughter. Oh my goodness! Wow! She is, oh, oh, guys. Ah, I can't even handle it. Wow. But that is Savona Sky Clairvois, um, five months old. Uh, she is the joy, the joy, the joy in our household, even though she keeps us up every single night. But that's okay. That's okay. I will not uh, hold that against her. I am originally from Brooklyn, New York. Really? Wow. I was not expecting that. I was not in a Brooklyn, New York. Originally from Brooklyn, New York, and uh, in, in, out in Brooklyn, in New York City, um, it is uh, very common for a lot of people to use the subway, all right? Uh, we use the subway to get around, use the subway to get to work. On one particular morning, I jumped out of bed, looked at the clock, said, oh my goodness, I'm about to miss my train. 
I go and I run to the bathroom. I do whatever I got to do as quick as I can. Throw on some clothes. I get down to the train station. I'm at the train station. I forget that. I need to get a Metro card. A Metro card is what you use to get on the train. And so I have to stand next to this machine, at this machine to get the Metro card. However, there is this lady in front of me. And for some reason, this lady is taking forever to get her own Metro card. And I'm standing there, and I'm standing there, and I'm standing there, and I see my train come. The train's there, but the lady's there as well. And I still don't have my Metro card, and I can't take the train. So I'm standing there waiting, waiting, waiting anxiously for this woman, watching the train pull away. The train pulls away, and then finally, this lady gets her Metro card and goes her way. And that whole entire day, I blame this lady for sabotaging my day. I blame this lady for making me late for work. I blame this lady for me getting reprimanded by my supervisor. I blame this lady. If it wasn't for that lady, I would have been on time. If it wasn't for that lady, I would have had a really, really good day. What I didn't tell you, though, is that the night before, um, uh, I spent even into the wee morning hours, binging on The Office that night. What, what, I didn't, what I didn't tell you, what I didn't tell you was that because I was binging The Office, I went and I fell asleep and forgot to set my alarm that morning. So while I was all day blaming this lady for sabotaging my day, in reality, I'm the one to blame. You see, in my 12 years of ministry now, I've come to see one thing happen far too often. Is that people are unable to get to the destiny that God has for them because they get in their own way. One more time. People are unable to get to the destiny that God has for them, not because of anybody else, but because we get in our own way. Today, we are going to look at the life of a man called King Saul. Amen. A man who was called and anointed, but couldn't get out of his own way. Our subject here today is the anatomy of self-sabotage. The anatomy of self-sabotage. How in the world can we ensure that we sabotage ourselves? If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 31. If you have a real Bible, you can pull out the real Bible. If you have your phone, you can do that as well. 2019, we can do that. 1 Samuel chapter 31, starting at verse 1, the Bible reads like this. Now the Philistines, everyone say Philistines. Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. 
And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons. And the Philistines struck down Jonathan and Abinadab and Malkishua, the sons of Saul. The battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him. And he was badly wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust it through me, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. But his armor bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore, Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell upon his own sword and died with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this wonderful morning. God, we know that you're already here and that you've already been moving, already been working, God. And Lord, I know that my gifts, my talents, my abilities are not enough to do what you want to accomplish here today. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you make your word come to life. God, I pray that every distraction would fall to the ground in the name of Jesus. And that, God, we all here would receive from you. That we will not leave here the same way that we came in. Lord, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for what you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hmm. Now, here in chapter 31 of 1 Samuel, this chapter begins a lot like a lot of the chapters of where we see the most important moments of King Saul's life. This chapter begins in the same way most of the chapters detailing the important moments of King Saul's life begin. And that is in the midst of a battle. Every time we've seen Saul's downfall, it was in the midst of a battle. Now this is important. And the reason why it's important, the principle that we can extract from Saul's life when we read it is this. The reason why it's important is because your success in this thing called life, your success in this thing called life will always be determined by how you handle life's battles. Your success, win or lose, your success in this thing called life will always be determined by how you handle life's battles. You want to know why? Because it's in the midst of the battle that your true self comes out. Oh, some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. We can come here to church, right? Come here to church on a Sunday and raise our hands. We're singing, it's not enough. Unless you come, right? It's like, Jesus, thank you so much. But your true self was actually 15 minutes before you walked through this door. Right? Maybe an hour when you woke up and you're yelling at the kids, wake up, we got to get to church. You're having an argument. Your true self always comes out in the midst of a battle. When your bank account looks one way and the bills look another way, guess what? That's when your true self comes out. You guys hearing me this morning? And so we have Saul here in the midst of a battle. 
The Philistines have overtaken Israel. They're closing upon Saul's location. The Philistines have killed all of Saul's sons. The archers go and they find Saul's location and they badly wound him. The Bible says that Saul goes to his armor bearer and says, armor bearer, I need you to take your sword and thrust it through me. Because if you don't kill me, they're going to get me and they're going to do the most gruesome things to me. I need you. I need you to end this for me right now. The armor bearer looks at Saul and says, no, it's not going to happen. You're the king. I can't do that to the king. So the Bible says that Saul fell on his own sword. And I believe that this is a picture that, is the, that depicts the life of Saul perfectly. Over and over and over again, Saul being called and anointed to be king over Israel, called to remove the hand of the Philistines from Israel, could not fulfill the call on his life because he was a master of self-sabotage. And here, we're going to talk about Saul's life. And he is going to show us how to become self-saboteurs ourselves. So what can King Saul teach us about the anatomy of self-sabotage? Point number one for us here today. If you want to sabotage your life, point number one is hide from the call. Hide from the call. Now, when I use the word call, right, and we talk about calling, you know what I mean, and, and, and we use that, that term a lot in, in Christian circles, what do you think I'm talking about? When I say call, what do you hear that normally with? Say what? God, God's call? All right, God's call to be what? Min oh, say it again. Ministry. Every time, a lot of times, we hear the term call, Right? It's either I'm called to be a pastor, I'm called to be a missionary, I'm called to be an evangelist, I'm called to this, this a platform with a microphone. Right? A lot of times this term call is associated with that. However, I want each and every single one of you to know something. That every single person in this building today has a call. That each and every single one of you is called and anointed. Listen, as soon as you popped out of the womb, guess what? You were called and anointed to honor your mother and father. And all my parents said? Kids hate me right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. As soon as you accepted that position at your job, guess what? You were called and anointed to be a great employee. I know some of you guys don't want to hear that today. As soon as you said, I do, guess what? You were called and anointed to be an excellent wife or husband. Listen, as soon as you became a part of this church, guess what? You were called and anointed to serve at this church. Each and every single one of us are called and anointed to do something in, something in this thing called life. If you have breath in your lungs, you are called and anointed to do something. And here, King Saul 
It's called an anointing. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 16, the Bible says that he being Saul shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines. He was called to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. But when we read in, in 1 Samuel chapter 31, is he fulfilling that call? No, absolutely not. He's actually doing the complete opposite. And this is not the only time in 1 Samuel that we see Saul do this. If we rewind to 1 Samuel chapter 17, it's a familiar story. David and Goliath. The Bible says that the Philistines once again were coming against Israel. It's a battle. It's ready, a battle is ready to happen. They come together and they say, all right, instead of everybody, you know, instead of having all these people die, let's do like they, 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 they did back in ancient times. Let's have your best warrior and my best warrior come together. They'll duke it out. Whoever wins, wins the battle. People go home. It'll be all right. Right? Good? Good? All right. The Bible says the Philistines send out Goliath. Goliath being this big old dude, right? Big boom, you know? He's walking, he has a spear, he has a shield, his armor, all of that. Israel, though, is like, yeah, we don't want any part of that at all. And so they're sitting down, they're cowering in fear. The Bible says that people ran away, started hiding in caves, running all over. It's like, no, we do now. None of us want to fight this person, Israel, this person uh, Goliath. What was Saul called to do? Saul was called to defeat the Philistines, to remove the hands of the Philistines from the Israelites. So you know, if no one else is going out there to fight, guess whose job it is to go out there? Saul. What's Saul doing? He's hiding in a tent. The Bible says that there is this teenager, this teenage boy, walking around. He's hearing this guy talk a lot of, a lot of junk. <laughs> And it's Goliath just talking, and he's cursing, you know, the God of the Israelites. And, 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 and David gets offended by this. Teenager gets offended, and he makes his way to the tent. And he walks in, and he goes, um, is anybody going to do something about this? And they're like, yeah, man, we're not going to do anything. You see, you see Goliath out there, bro? We're just not, we're not, mm -mm, that's not what, we don't want any part of that. And so David says, if none of you are going to take care of it, then I'm going to take care of it. Bible says in that moment, Saul takes his armor, the armor that he was supposed to use to stand on that field to defeat Goliath himself. He takes that armor and passes it off to David. He passes off the responsibility that was his over to someone else. I've been a youth pastor for 10 years. In that 10 years, I've had a ton of parents come up to me mad, angry. You're doing a horrible job. My kid is doing this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and the other. What are you doing over there at that church? I'm sorry. I'm uh And I just want to, excuse me, ma'am. I love your student. Jay, we love 
their students. However, however, I wasn't the one called and anointed to ensure that your child walks in the way of the Lord. Guess who was called and anointed to do that? You as the parent. That is your armor that you need to bear. And you as the parent need to not take that armor and pass it off to a youth pastor, but instead you need to put that armor on yourself and fight the battle for your child. Parents, you are called and anointed to ensure that your children walk in and you do whatever it is you have to do. When is the last time your student, your child saw you open a Bible and read it? When was the last time your student saw you on your knees fighting for your family in prayer? When was the last time you came together as a family and just had a nice little devotion. It's not on the pastor. You should not hand off and pass off the armor that you are called to wear. But you need to put on that armor. And you need to fulfill that responsibility. Amen? Sadly, this is also not the last time we see King Saul hiding from the call. We rewind all the way back to 1 Samuel chapter 10. See, the Bible in chapter 9, Saul is called. He shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines. The Bible says that the children of Israel wanted a king. Everybody else had a king. If everyone else has a king, guess what? We want a king too. And God was like, all right, you want a king? You can have a king. And he chooses for himself King Saul. But in order for, for them to know that this was actually the person who God chose, they wanted to cast lots. So they had this big old thing, and they wanted to, to separate everybody by tribe and by family and all that. And so they decided, they threw the lots, and it's like, okay, this tribe, all right, this family, all right, this man right here, Samuel. Samuel is called to be king. But uh, where, where's Samuel? Does anybody, anybody see Samuel? Do you, see, do you know where Samuel's at? Where's Samuel at? The Bible says that as kings, no, where Saul, the Bible says that while they were calling, while call, Saul was being called to be king over Israel, the Bible says that he was found hiding in the midst of the baggage. He was hiding in the midst of baggage. And again, as I sat down and as I read that, I was like, oh my goodness, this is a perfect picture of King Saul's life. King Saul led from among his baggage. You sit down and you read, guess what? King Saul was unbelievably insecure. And he led from that insecurity. And because he was insecure, he became addicted to applause. He always needed to hear applause from other people, always needed praise from other people, always needed people to talk good about him and, and tell him good words and always praise and always lift me up and always build me up. And he led from that baggage. 
And because he needed applause, then he became a people pleaser, always trying to please people and not pleasing his God. He led from among his baggage. Can I be vulnerable with you here this morning? Is it okay for me to? So, um, Pastor Phil, I deal very heavily with anxiety. I have an anxiety problem, right? Like, people think that, oh, just because I can stand here on the platform and, oh, you know, he's not scared to do that. or No, no, no. I was sweating bullets before getting up here, okay? And so I have that, I have that, right? And not have that type of baggage in my life. However, I refuse to lead from among that baggage. Listen, if I chose to lead from my baggage, then there would not be dozens upon dozens of students today who have been called into ministry, who are pastoring right now, who are missionaries right now. If I chose, if I chose to lead from my baggage, then I wouldn't be here delivering the word of God to you this morning. I'm here to talk to somebody in this place today. Listen, I know that you have baggage, but instead of leading from your baggage, God says, Jesus says, cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Jesus says, Come, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm talking to everyone in the building here today that has baggage in their life, and that's leading a marriage from your baggage, that's parenting children from that baggage, that's trying to lead a business from that baggage. I'm here to tell you, you don't need to lead from that baggage any longer. Jesus is here, and the gospel tells us that we don't need to carry that baggage any longer, but we can just lay it at the feet of Jesus, that you don't need to lead your marriage with that baggage. You can raise your children without the baggage. You can live your life without the baggage because Jesus is real. He is here, and the blood of Jesus can impact your life. Are you guys hearing me this morning? The anatomy of self-sabotage, point number one, hide from the call. Point number two, always play the victim. <sighs> Saul always played the victim. It was never Saul's fault. It was always someone else's fault. Just like in my story, right? It was that lady's fault and never me truly acknowledging, no, you were irresponsible, bro. Go to bed. Set your alarm. You can get to work on time. But Saul always played the victim. 1 Samuel chapter 13. The Bible says once again, the Philistines, again, in the midst of a battle, the Philistines and the Israelites are going to battle. But as custom was, the priests had to come and offer the sacrifice before they can go to battle. The Bible says that Saul was there, but the priest, Samuel, was not. And everyone's sitting down, and everyone's waiting for Samuel to show up. Where's Samuel? 
No one knows where Samuel's at. And everyone is looking at Saul, and everyone's like, Saul, this is your fault. Saul, you're such a horrible king. Saul, this, that, and the other, and criticizing, and this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden, because all of this criticism is going up against Saul, because, remember, he's insecure, because, remember, he needs applause, he goes and he disobeys a direct commandment from God. And he tries to take the place of Samuel and give the sacrifice. Huh. The Bible says as soon as he gave that sacrifice, Samuel came. And it was like, Saul, what did you just do? Always, and he said, oh, oh, Samuel, it's not my fault. The people made me do it. Samuel, it's not my fault. The people made me do it. No, Samuel, the people didn't do anything. You were insecure. You're addicted to applause. It is your fault. You did that. Listen, listen, Saul, it's not anyone's fault. You are the problem. You are the reason why all these things went wrong. And that's why 1 Samuel chapter 31, verse 5, is so, such a great illustration of Saul's life. Where the Bible says he fell on his own sword. Church, I need you to hear this today. For a lot of us, your life isn't the way it is because of your enemy's sword. One more time for the people in the back. Your life is not, most probably not the way it is because of your enemy's sword. Not because of your coworker. Not because probably even of the devil. Listen, your life might be the way it is right now because you have fallen on your own sword. You have fallen on your own sword. It's not your parents' fault. I'm sorry to tell you, you're the problem. It's not your boss's fault, Clark, that you were late. You're the problem. And you know what's, what's, what I get even, even more at church today that I'm working in, in church today, uh, Pastor Phil? Parishioners who come up to me and they're talking about how they don't like going to church anymore. They don't like going to church anymore because of the drama that's in the church or this and that. This person was talking about me, this person, that, and there's just so much drama that's happening in church. When you come to realize um, you're the person that's causing all the drama. No one's gossiping about you. You're the one starting all the gossip. It's not the church's fault. You are the problem. Now, I understand. I, I, listen, I get it. It's hard to hear that we're the problem. It's really hard to, but guess what? It's okay for us to understand that we are the problem. Because if you never realize that you're the problem, then you will never have a solution. You guys understand what I'm saying? Going to another church is not the solution. Y'all not hearing me today. Going to another church is not the solution. Most of the time, guess what? Divorce is not the solution. Oh, y'all not hearing me today. <laughs> Students, 
Getting mad and at your parents and causing a tantrum in your house and all this problem in your house. Guess what? Your parents are not the problem. You are. And the minute you realize that you are the problem, the minute you come to grips with the fact that, wow, I might be the one that has the issue, then and only then can you actually find a solution. You guys hear me this morning? The anatomy of self-sabotage, point number one, hide from the call. Point number two, always play the victim. And point number three, never repent. Never repent. Worship team, you can come on up. Listen, the ultimate problem with King Saul was that he never repented. His ultimate problem was that he never repented. Want me to prove it to you? Let me prove it to you. There was also this king. His name was David. Now, whenever you sit down and you read the Bible, right, and you talk in biblical circles, you sit down and you think, Saul, bad king. David, good king. Saul, the bad king. And David, the good king. But really? Was that the, is that the case? Because I remember, I remember, we sit down, we read in 2 Samuel chapter 11. The Bible says that David stayed home while all the other kings went out to battle. Remember the whole hide from the battle part? Okay. The Bible says that he was sitting down chilling outside and he looked across the way and he saw this lady and she was bathing. She was naked. Whoa. Probably looks at his guard and he says, "Um, hey guard, who's, who's that girl over there? He's like, that's Bathsheba. David's like, for real? God is like, for real. He goes, hey, tell her, to, tell her to come over here. I want to talk to her for a minute. One thing leads to another. David messes up with Bathsheba. He's like, all right, no, I'm the king. I can cover up whatever I want. It's whatever. Except Bathsheba comes to him with some news. Two words that I don't think David wanted to hear at all. I'm pregnant. Ooh. So David is like, oh, whoa, oh my goodness. Um, okay. You know, uh, since Maury hasn't been invented yet, and they can't figure out that I'm the father, what I'm going to do is I'm going to call her husband back from the battle, they can go do their thing, and we can make it like it's their baby. Husband Uriah gets back, and he can't bear the fact that all of his other brothers are at the battle where David was supposed to be while he's here in the comfort of his own home. Can't, can't bear that. 
So instead of going home and being with his wife, the Bible says that he made his bed at the front door and he went to sleep there. David finds out, he's like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me right now? Okay, um, um, the only way that we could fix this, Uriah's got to die. We got, we got to kill Uriah. He's like, whoa, David, what? Went from zero to a hundred, bro. Like that's, that's extreme there, isn't it? Like that's, that's what's got to happen. The Bible says that David gave the order to have Uriah sent to the very front of the battle to ensure that he dies. Now, <laughs> we have David, who's an adulterer, a straight-up liar, and a murderer, all in just one situation. That's pretty messed up. Does anybody agree with me? It's a pretty messed up situation. I'm like looking at Saul and like, Saul, man, you didn't do anything like that, bro. David, you went crazy with all of that. But still, God calls David the apple of his eye. God calls David the man after his own heart. Why? Because as we can see in Psalm chapter 51, David knew and understood Lord, I know I messed up. Lord, I know that it's my fault, that it's on me. Lord, I am sorry. I am sorry. Please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. God, wash me with his son. Wash me clean. I need to be clean. I want to be in your good graces. I want to be in right relationship with you again. It's because of that, because of the posture of his heart, that David is still known as the apple of God's eye, as the man after God's own heart. Even though his whole situation was almost so much more messed up than Saul's was. But the problem with Saul was that he never repented. I'm here to tell you today that it does not matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how messed up your situation is. That whenever you call on the name of the Lord, whenever you cry out to Jesus, he is there immediately to pick you up from where you're at. I'm here to tell you today that the power of the gospel is this, that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all of your sin, all of your unrighteousness. And that doesn't matter what you've done, you can be in right standing with God. But you got to repent. Church, I've come here to tell you that it's time to stop sabotaging your life. That you need to get out of that place of self-sabotage. And number one, stop hiding from the call. Stop hiding from God, what God has called you to do in your life. Stop hiding from repairing your marriage. Stop hiding from parenting your children properly. Stop hiding 
from being an excellent employee at your job. Stop hiding from serving at this church. Stop hiding. Stop leading from your baggage. Because you don't need to do that any longer. All you got to do is take that baggage and lay it at the feet of Jesus. Every single day, I take my anxiety and I lay it at the feet of Jesus. Because I refuse to live my life from the midst of my baggage. Number two, stop playing the victim. Stop playing the victim and realize that it might just be your fault. That the issues going on in your life, guess what? might just be your fault. It's only then that you can find the solution and get to point three, and that is repent. Turn from your ways. Go before God, cry out to him, and repent. It doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter what your situation looks like. I'm here to tell you today that you can step out of that place of self-sabotage and live the life that only God can give you, that life that is more abundant than any other life that anything else can give you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray for anyone in this building here under the sound of my voice that has found themselves in this place of self-sabotage. God, I pray that here today that they would make the conscious decision to stop hiding from the call. God, I pray that here today that we, Lord, would stop playing the victim. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we will always come to the place of repentance. God, I pray here and now that you would release baggage, Lord God, from the lives of everyone in here who is carrying it. That they would release that baggage, Lord, and lay it at your feet in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for what you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray right now. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to call our prayer partners up. Listen, if you need prayer for anything at all, anything at all, we have prayer partners that are here that will want to pray with you. If you want to partake in communion with us this morning as well, we have communion up here as well. You can come on up and partake of communion. But please, please, please do not leave here with that baggage. Do not leave here in the same place that you walked in here with. But today, let's leave here free and walk the way that Jesus has called us to walk. Amen? God bless you. Thank you so much.